Hello, friends. Welcome to the Eclectic Podcast. It's just the Eclectic Podcast. There's no, like, appendix to Eclectic. Eclectic, colon, the podcast. That's not a much better. Jackson. Can I say your real name or do you want me to use a pseudonym? Um, well, I guess you can use my real name. Alright, this is my friend John. Okay. As he prefers to be called. Right. John Doe. Yeah. Do you just want to introduce ourselves that way? I guess so. Yeah. You go first so that, that way I know how to like okay. format it. Yeah. I'm just going to go off the top of my head. Okay. But I'll just like describe myself in a way that people have context to All what right. we're talking about. And I will determine whether or not that characterization is accurate. Okay, so my name is Tyler, as you know, because it's on the channel right there. Um, I'm a student here at the university that we go to, non-specifically. Um, I, <laughs> you're not going to say, is that like I'm not, trying to get, I'm not trying to get hacked. Oh, okay. I'm not trying to get doxxed. Right. <laughs> you're really going to be saying such controversial things that doxing is going to be an issue? Yes. Okay, wow. <laughs> I mean, maybe reconsidering my participation. No, so uh, I study math. I like computers. I like video games. I like making videos. I like all the nerd stuff, Marvel, DC, everything in between, books. Um, and I absolutely despise English and the writing and performance thereof. Mm-hmm. As should be evident from the that monologue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hello, my name is Jackson. Um, I will affix my stamp of approval to that uh, autobiography from Tyler there. Um, I am studying philosophy at the same university. Um, my emphasis is in 20th century continental philosophy, um, specifically the French postmodernists. Um, I do have a penchant for English and all things literary. Um, we do share a, a common obsession with pop culture, however, and all the, uh, the various titles that Tyler enumerated, um, I, also, I also enjoy. So... Yes, that, that, that's me. Yes, so as you can see, Jackson and I are good, diametrically opposed, have good diametrically opposed interests. Yes. The like, yeah, just... well, yeah. Okay, cool. I know from Hamilton. Diametric, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very, very good. Thank you, thank you. Okay. I thought you were going to say something. So, no, no. Um, I've invited Jackson here into my studio today to uh, talk a little bit about our favorite movie, most favorite movie of all time. Um, and Not only our favorite movie, but yes. I would contend one of the most uh, it profound, competently made movies yeah. ever produced. Yeah, Jackson and I, we watch a lot of movies, and he's seen it. I haven't even seen it, but I've heard lots about it. Yes. And honestly... And it's it's kind of a it's kind of an indie film it seems like. Yeah, it is kind of an indie film. I will say part of its lack of success may be due to the fact that they just didn't pub they what didn't have the the benefit of these this large um, publicity budget. It's like an established. Yeah, it it has very little institutional weight behind it. Yeah, certainly, uh, it's a little uh, outfit called Sony Pictures. Where are they based out of? Do you know? Um, I think, well, I don't know if they even have, uh, yeah. like a single base of operations. Yeah, I haven't heard about them. Uh, they've been at Sundance a couple times. Okay. Okay. Um, at Cannes as well. Oh. Yeah. Uh, all of the, all of the, uh, the big indie places are raving about this up and coming studio. Um, and they, they, in this, the film in question, they cast as a lead, um, renowned, renowned character actor Jared Leto. I heard he's really good at uh, method acting. Yes, he's extremely good at method acting, but you know his methods are never abrasive on his colleagues. Never. Yeah, I heard yeah. when Heath Ledger, the late, uh, unfortunately, Heath Ledger, I, think, I feel like he went a bit too far sometimes, whereas Jared Leto, like... Yeah, he really, he really knows how to separate his work and personal life. Okay. I will say. Which is something that he ought to be commended for. Um... 
there I've I don't think I've ever heard a, a complaint about his behavior, his comportment professionally. I saw um, him which another, is rare. You know, you don't get that with yeah. these big time Hollywood A-listers. Yeah. Never. I've seen him in a couple of other films and I think he was by far the favorite part of each of those films. And like including really? Blade Runner 2049. Ah, uh, yes. I, I I can't say that film has much uh I don't have as much going for it. Yeah, I think the only part I enjoyed about that movie was his performance. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Denis Villeneuve, as we know, is notoriously negligent when it comes to the he's the uh, aesthetics of his films. And his like, what's it called? His the way he sticks to the source material. Right. Abhorrent. Right. Yeah, you can tell he just has not one scintilla of respect for the source material. <laughs> At any rate, are we just <laughs> going to forego that that bit for the time being? Um, so as many of you, um, all two of you may have surmised at this point, um, we are referring to the film Morbius. And I feel a little bit. It's such a. I know. I know the name itself actually comes from the comics, yeah, or whatever. But it doesn't make me feel any less silly saying it out loud. <laughs> it's I know. Just a, such a dumb name. I know in the comics it's like Morbius the Living Vampire. Right. Is that like the same like subtitle in the movie? No, they they do not include the the subtitle. Okay. They never refer to him as the the quote unquote living vampire. Interesting, because vampires are usually thought to be undead. Right. Yes. Which I suppose is the living. Yeah, the distinguishing feature of Morbius yeah. in the comics. Um, <laughs> I just got the, uh, which I suppose undead is living. <laughs> Not like undead. what? That's true. Like what exactly like is the distinction? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, where was I going with that? Yeah, and it's it's just a confused, confused movie. Um, it doesn't know what it wants to be. Well, actually, it does know what it wants to be. It wants to be sort of this launch pad for the combined Sony Marvel universe. Um, but that is just they. It's all. It's like they started out with that in mind. Start with the end in mind, I guess. But this was just a horrible misapplication of that principle, <laughs> because. Everything else is shoehorned into that goal. It's like they they said to themselves, we have to come up with a plot. We have to somehow fit a plot into this. We, ha- we have to come up with something resembling a movie in the vaguest possible contours um, in order to do, in order to slingshot into this uh, ridiculous um, bicameral universe that they want to be doing. Um, so that's exactly what it feels like. And by the way, the movie is not even two hours long. Really? Right. So you can tell they were just strapped, starved for content and starved for good ideas as well. I mean, you can't just juxtapose that against something like, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. No Way Home. Or, yeah, sorry. No Way Home. Something, something home. Um, which has a runtime. I forget exactly how long it is, but it's it's around three hours. Yeah, it's nine to three hours, um, and like just the general trend of 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 a large scale movie productions these yeah, days. Like you look at say for example Justice League. Like <laughs> I I have not seen the four hour cut, but I mean he at least had four hours to pull from. <laughs> That's true. He had four hours of ideas. Yes. Which at least uh, sort of indicates an investment in the the plot of yeah. the movie, the actual content of the film, um, which is just completely bereft in this in this case. Morbius is bereft of that. Um, but it's funny that you bring DC up because DC, for good reason, is kind of... Um, consider. I mean, a lot of these are considered to be paradigmatic examples of bad superhero movies. Um, but I l- liked Morbius less than several of the of the DC cinematic universe movies. I thought it was worse than Aquaman. It was worse than the first Wonder Woman. 
It may even be worse than Batman v Superman. What about have you seen the second Wonder Woman? No, it's not worse than that. Okay. One. Okay. That that may be the worst superhero movie ever made. And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. It <laughs> it, it is a contender for the worst. Like right up there with the the Fantastic movie. That Mar- <laughs> you remember that one? Yeah. The the attempt to reboot the Fantastic Four where they had Michael B. Jordan playing the Human Torch. I yeah, think it yeah, was. yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That it's it's up there. Okay. Um. And the <laughs> Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, Suicide, suicide squad. squad. Yeah, that's Have you up seen there the new well. Suicide Squad? I haven't seen it. Um, for just I have a bit of a compunction about some of the uh, raunchiness. Understood. For a variety of of reasons. Understood. Uh, some of them religious, but I understand that it is a it is an entertaining piece of media. Um, which has not garnered much criticism. In any case, back to Morbius. Um, I think the main problem—that's that's definitely the main, like the foundational problem with it—is there's no artistic vision behind it. It's all corporate. It, it's just so horrendously, flagrantly corporate. And this is a problem with the Sony movies as well. I don't know if you're aware of the history behind this. But there was a time when my when Marvel's uh, financial prospects were much less optimistic than yeah, they are yeah. right now. Um, back when superhero movies weren't good yet, uh, and they just didn't have a lot of capital, um, <laughs> and the first I mean the first really successful uh, well made movie superhero movie marvel movie was iron man the first iron yeah. man and that was a surprise like that was a shock to everyone how well that that did and how um cinematic it was and how it appealed for the first time really to a general audience because keep in mind back in the day superheroes were much more niche than they are right now i mean like your average person probably knew who batman and superman were um but like there were they weren't going to be seeing yeah these these movies in in theaters and they these production companies didn't have um the money to throw at them so iron man was a gamble as i understand it and it ended up being super successful and kickstarting this whole uh cinematic universe enterprise yeah i recently i'm working on a video about marvel and the how well their movies have done and it's really interesting because Iron Man did like really well. Mm-hmm. But every movie after Iron Man until the Avengers seemed to like, I mean, money wise, it seemed pretty good. But like, yeah, they were ratings. Money. It wasn't like as good as I remember it being. Like based on like the ratings of right. what people were saying at the time. I mean, what do we have between the release of Iron Man and the release of the Avengers? There's Thor. Yeah, so it goes Iron Man, uh, the Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk was before Iron Man. They came after. No, but it has that end credit scene in it, though. Yeah, where Tony Stark comes in. Right. Did it really... Was it really released? After? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And so it's Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Iron Man 2. I think that might be before Thor. Iron Man 2. Hold yeah, on, I have a list they, right here. Yeah, because they talk about the Avengers initiative in Iron Man 2. That's right. Yeah, and it's Iron Man 2, and I believe Thor, and then Captain America, and then it's the Avengers. Yeah, wait, is Thor... the Dark World, that's after the event. That's after, yeah. So I'll right. pull up the list right here. Yeah, right, right, right. Because there's that, like, offhand remark she makes. Like, I saw you in New York. Yeah. Natalie Portman's character. So this is the um, order of releases. Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, The Avengers. Man, you really do need, like, a spreadsheet for all these at this point. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And this is separated by phases. Sheesh. Anyways, you haven't even included any of the um, the TV shows, the TV shows, or yeah. the movies that have been announced but are still in development. Exactly. Yeah. So this spreadsheet I have, you can click on this link to go to <laughs> <laughs> to go to a video, yeah, which right. uh, has be forthcoming. I has, has more about it, but it's basically just a record of all the Marvel movies in order, how much heroes were in them, the ratings of each, and how much money they made. Right. Yes. Right. They had less heroes in some movies. 
This is a running joke for those of you who are unaware of the the lore behind the show. <laughs> the lore. Um, one of my greatest pet peeves is misapplication of the words fewer and less. For the 98% of the population that is like me and yes. doesn't know the exact difference. For those rubes out there who haven't invested enough time in their education, fewer is used, is the proper word for quantitative um, judgments. So you have, if you can count it, you have fewer of it. Um, if you can't count it, you have less of it. So for example, I have fewer hairs on my head than someone else, but um, I have less hair. So that's kind of, that's actually kind of an, a linguistic quirk of English that you can do that. Um, but let's say uh, a piano has fewer keys on it than a harpsichord, um, but a harpsichord is less melodious than a piano. That's a better example. Here's my question. What if it's something that like can be counted, but not like not in our lifetime? Um, well then, yeah, it's it's quantifiable. So like grains of sand, it's iterable, and if it's iterable in terms iterable. of numbers, okay, doesn't yeah. matter if it's like legit, if it's like actually countable. Now, like it, a part of this, as illustrated by the hair example, is just the structure of English itself. Yeah, because you would say less sand. Because in that case, you're referring to sand as, as something like a singular noun. It's yeah. the sand. But you would say fewer grains of sand. sand. Okay. Does that make sense? That, that because, does. yeah, even though it's difficult to count, it's kind of immaterial yeah. to whether or not it's, it's fewer or less. But another example of that is, um, uh, what did you just say for this? Uh, it's like how much. Oh, yeah, how much versus how many. Yeah, that's right. And it's a similar, it's a similar distinction yeah. there. How I much said is, how much heroes when I just said how many heroes. How many heroes, yeah. yeah. I caught that as I was saying it. Right, exactly. Pardon me, my lord. You're right, yes, you, you're pardoned. I grant, I grant your you grace. clemency. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Where were we? The Iron Man. Yeah. Oh, we're talking I, about the history of Marvel. History, right. Okay, so um, before Marvel was a, succinct, uh, a financially viable company, really, um they had this sort of dark age and they to remain uh, solvent they had to solvent meaning capable of uh, satisfying their their creditors of paying off their their debts um, they had to sell some of their intellectual property to various other companies so they sold some to Fox and some to Sony um, that's why Fox made the X-Men movies Fox inherited the X-Men and Sony had the Spider-Man pantheon, so like Spider-Man and Venom and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's why you have all of these Marvel movies being produced under the Marvel umbrella, but they're being managed by other, other companies. Um, and Sony's movies, like aside from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, which have some real charm to them. I mean, they're campy in the way that early 2000s movies are campy, but they have some real charm and character to them, and you can tell that the people making them are invested, actually, in, in the actual artistic project. Um, and so those ones are defensible, at least I, I like them. But then you come to the, I don't know, if there's any movies, any Sony Marvel movies that were produced between the Sam Raimi of Spider-Man movies and the um the amazing spider-man movies with andrew garfield i'm not aware of them but when you get to the andrew garfield ones there's a significant i mean the the tone is significantly different because yeah. those movies were made so that sony could keep the rights to spider-man because part of the part of the contract i, I suppose um supposedly was that sony had to at least use the rights to spider-man um, with a certain frequency, otherwise the contract would lapse and the rights would return to Marvel. And it's the same for uh, Fantastic Four, correct? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, which, interestingly enough, the the original Fantastic Four movies, the ones with like Jessica Alba and uh, Chris Evans before he was uh, Captain America, um, those ones are. I mean, they're flawed, but. 
I mean, they're not horrendous. Like, they're not horrible. Yeah. They're early 2000s superhero movies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Morbius feels like, as a matter of fact. Well, we'll get to that. Um, but by the time you come to Andrew Garfield, The Amazing Spider-Man, it's an all right movie, but you can tell it's a corporate project. Yeah. They're making it so that they have a Spider-Man movie. Um, and that's not to disparage any of the, the actors or the production team at all. I just think that the, the vision wasn't there. Um, I'm not intimately familiar with the details of the production or whatever, but especially with the sequel, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, it is, that is a bad movie. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I know some people like it, but it's it's confused. Yeah. It's crowded. I think a lot of people think of it fondly because of the whole story with Gwen and her death. Yeah, I mean that it's a heart wrenching moment, but it's not enough to redeem yeah. the entire movie. Yeah, like for me, for someone like me who hasn't seen it since it came out, like I only remember the death of Gwen Stacy. So I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good movie, but. <laughs> There's that moment, and there's the moment when um, Andrew Garfield is listening to that one song on his Sony, his Sony, um, what are those things called? It's like an iPod. Xperia? Yeah, his Sony Xperia. Is that what it is? I think so. Um, it's like an MP3 player. Yeah. <laughs> He's listening to that one. Is it Philip Phillips, the song? Like, yeah, Home by Philip yeah, Phillips. Yeah, Home by Philip Phillips. Um man as he's like grappling with the emotional trauma of his girlfriend leaving to go to Oxford in Great Britain that is literally the inciting incident that triggered that reaction <laughs> from him it's not even like throughout the movie he's he's dealing with um the emotional baggage of his parents walking out on him or at least he perceives yeah um that that episode of his life to be his parents abandoning him abandoning him um, he's he's grappling with that as well, but the <laughs> the the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, that sent him spiraling into uh, this this whirlpool of the <laughs> of just a band uh, was his girlfriend leaving to Oxford. He couldn't be with his girlfriend because of the crippling guilt he felt over being at least sort of complicit in the death of her father. Um, but anyway, that's kind of, that was a long tangent, which I mean, brings us to the, the upshot of this whole, uh, story is that Morbius is perhaps just, it's the, it's an exemplary example, <laughs> an exemplary example. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's not my most eloquent turn of phrase ever. Um, it's. It's just so, uh, it's, it's just a perfect case study of what goes wrong when no one wants to be there. No one really <laughs> is into the, the project. Um, because, I mean, Jared Leto, the only, I mean, you brought up Blade Runner 2049 earlier, the only, that's the only movie where he's good. And it's because... A, this is a really talented team. Yeah. But B, the whole point of Nyander Wallace is that he is kind of this detached, uh, almost sociopathic um, character. And he's, he's cold and he has a god complex. So yeah. it makes sense that he has this stilted, uh, mechanistic way. And it's also a movie that explores the nature of uh, humanity the nature of authenticity and artificiality and where the boundary lies between them. Um, and Wallace sort of represents this uh, mechanizing, systematizing force that has grown to um, ubiquity in, in the Blade Runner universe at this point. Um, so it makes sense that his performance is robotic. That is not to Jared Leto's credit <laughs> because if... He, I mean, that's probably why he was cast, but if, for whatever reason, they tried to elicit a bit of emotion from him, it would have failed. <laughs> I mean, he would have... <laughs> because this, Morbius is what happens when you try to get Jared Leto to emote. Suicide Squad, to some extent, is too, um, but he's over the top yeah. in that one. Um, 
Actually, I saw Morbius with my little brother, who's uh, 14 at this point. Okay. And <laughs> so his his critical acumen is not fully developed. Let's just okay. He doesn't know how to you know systematically dissect movies yet. Yeah. Um, but when we walked out, because there's this Nicolas Cage movie coming out. That just looks glorious. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's called The Unbearable Weight of Enormous Talent or exactly. something like massive that. Something massive like that. talent. Massive yeah. talent. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, and it just looks so good. And everyone everyone in the trailer, at least, just looks to be reveling in it. Yeah, it looks like they're having a fun time uh, like in the movie. Yeah, Nicolas Cage just chewing the scenery in a way only Nicolas Cage can. Um, but it's also like it's got this this meta element to it. He's playing himself, which in a way is the perfect role for Nicolas Cage is to be playing Nicolas Cage. Yeah. To some extent, that's what he's doing in every movie he's in. Um, but we walk out and my little brother, he goes, Jared Le- watching Jared Leto is like watching Nicolas Cage, but bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, it's so true. It's like Nicolas Cage devoid of any charm or tact that Ni- that Nicolas Cage brings yeah. into the into the equation. So Nicolas Cage is that everything that makes Nicolas Cage enjoyable. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because even when Nicolas Cage is bad, it is fun to watch. Yeah. Jared Leto when he's bad, it is unbearable. Because when he's being over the top, it's just it's almost forgettable. Yeah. As the Joker, it was cringe. To watch him just go ham, and it was so contrived and confected, it just felt unnatural. It felt unnatural. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't jive with the rest of the movie. Nothing in that movie jived with any other element. But that's beside. That's beside the point. Uh, in this movie, they've they're clearly um, they're torn over what they want the character of Morbius to be. They they don't know what Michael Morbius is supposed to be as a character. I heard as part of the movie, like, obviously he's a vampire, so there's going to be an element of drinking blood. Yeah. But I heard they made this, like, contrived, like, what's it called? Um, synthetic blood. So it's yes. not violent. That is, uh-huh, that is a major plot point, actually, of the, because he's supposed to be, I guess, spoilers. Um, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> if you were super invested in the, the twists and turns of the plot of Morbius... Now's the time to tune out. Yeah, before we get, I just want to mention one thing. It's like, I heard that each of the plot lines like is only like two-thirds of a plot line, and they just forget about it. That is true, too. That, so is, that is a deep If you're plot. worried about spoilers, don't be. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because none plot. of these loose ends will be tied up. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. That's so true. Um, but anyway, he's, he's, this, he's got anemia, I think is what it is. Okay. Um, which is some sort of... I actually don't understand much of what anemia is, but diegetically, within the context of the movie, um, he walks with a cane, um, and he's, very, he's like, skeletal. He's, he's wan. Um, so he, he's not a healthy person, but his back, they show a little bit of his backstory, um, and <laughs> supposedly... This is a little bit problematic in and of itself, because Jared Leto... Being the just pretentious method actor that he is, not a good method actor, um, insisted on actually hobbling around. I I don't know if this is true, but I heard he actually insisted on hobbling around like an actual disabled person on the set of on the set of Morbius. I also heard that. I heard it got to the point in which the crew bought him a wheelchair because it was <laughs> taking him forever to get between the yeah, and shoots. I know, and like, I don't know if that. It's certainly not politically correct to be sort of imitating the mannerisms of an, yeah. a genuinely disabled person. Like, if person. this was, like, a film about people with that uh, disease and how they struggle with life, sure, yeah, try to spend a week in their shoes. However, uh, man, yeah, I guess. This is Morbius. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is Morbius, it's true. So I heard he got a little bit of backlash for that. Um, <laughs> but anyway... He's supposedly got this blood disease. Um, it makes it so you need a transfusion three times a day. Okay. Okay, so this is actually kind of hilarious because at the beginning of the movie, when you're introduced to little Michael Morbius, 
He's in this hospital in Greece. Clearly not a state-of-the-art facility by any stretch. Yet somehow they have enough access to blood to give every single kid there a transfusion three times a day, according to the movie. So, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I actually don't know if it's supposed to be a full transfusion or if they're just somehow filtering the blood, like a dialysis machine. But it seems like they're saying they're giving them a transfusion because later in the movie, they introduce the concept of this artificial blood because, oh, this is so dumb too. Morbius's friend... Is that um, a Matt Smith's character? Yeah, Doctor Who, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Shovel chin. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry for all of you uh, diehard Whovians out there. It's such a, I think they, such uh, a ridiculous fan fandom, by the way. <laughs> I have never met a more committed fandom to a worse show. But in a, at any rate, in de- in defense of Doctor Who, it was good. <laughs> For the first couple seasons. There's a... That's there's, all I'll say. There's an episode of Community <laughs> where they go to essentially a Doctor Who convention. I'm pretty sure I remember that, yeah. And of course, Abed is like a diehard Doctor <laughs> Who fan. And everything about it, they, talk, they even talk about how at one point there was a female version of this Doctor Who and how not to mention it around Abed because he'll get so upset about it. Um, but yeah, it is just, it's such a perfect parody of the way these, these fandoms operate. Anyway, um, where were we? Oh yeah. So he, (laughs) the the way they find out that he's this, he's got this genius intellect is that this new kid arrives, young, uh, shovel, shovel chins character. And he sets him in this bed and he confers upon him this name Milo and Supposedly, the Milo is just the generic name that you inherit when you you come into this position at the hospital. Because he's like, um, yeah, the one before you was Milo, and the one before him was Milo too. So, and then this kid just accepts it. And throughout the movie, they refer to him as Milo. And it's like it's it's very much like you said, an unresolved uh, thread in the plot. It's like a Chekhov's gun thing. Yeah. Because they introduce this, and they spend like I not not a sizable amount of time, but at least enough that it's it's memorable. And then throughout the movie they're referring to him as Milo. Um and then it's not resolved. It's just not an important it's not essential to the plot of the movie at all. And um it's for the world building. I guess <laughs> but the character <laughs> dies at the end again, spoiler. So he's it's not like he's gonna play an integral part in this okay, it's it's just so silly. Um, but that's not even what I wanted to talk about. So the reason they, this, the, the way they discover that he's got this genius intellect is Milo arrives. His name is Lucian in the movie, actually. Um, but he names him Milo and then immediately, just, just promptly, his, uh, dialysis or transfusion, whatever kind of machine it is, not explained, it starts malfunctioning and Milo begins to, you know, uh, die, essentially. And... I kid you not, Mor- little Michael Morbius pulls out a ballpoint pen, removes the little spring, you know, that, that yeah, keeps the pen yeah. uh, loaded. He, he removes the spring and proceeds to repair the medical machine with nothing but the spring, spring. from the ballpoint pen. So, cut to um, the, he's speaking with sort of the director slash surrogate father the director of the hospital slash surrogate father, yeah. um, who is an actor who I only know f- as Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Okay, yeah. Um, which, by the way, he's far too good of an actor for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in any case, he's he's having a little conversation with him, and he says, you have a gift, Michael. We're going to send you to a school for gifted youngsters. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And they don't say that. They don't say a, they don't say a school for gifted youngsters. But that's the that's the thrust of what yeah. we're getting at here. So yet again, it's this uh, it's this just prodigy prodigy child who's going to go on to do some wacky experiment and inherit 
you know, acquire these superpowers. Like, where have we seen this yeah. this story before? Nowhere. No, never. It's completely novel. It's not like they've been doing this since humanity could construct narratives with the Epic of Gilgamesh. No, this is this is anyway. Um, okay, so where were we? Oh yeah, so he goes, and then you cut to the future, and he has dedicated himself to finding a cure for this disease, and he has developed artificial blood and for this he's about to receive the Nobel Prize in Sweden he turns down the Nobel Prize of course because he says something to the effect of I can't accept um, a prize for what amounts to a convenient byproduct of my larger project of curing this disease because it's not a re- it's not really a cure it's just a way of treating the symptoms essentially yeah. what he's getting at um, <laughs> so He's, he's back in his little lab, which, by the way, is being funded by Milo, who's inexplicably rich. This is never addressed, how he's gotten his wealth. And they bring up um, that he went to law school at one point. So then you think, oh, maybe he's a really successful lawyer. But no, he never, they, they go out of their way to state that he never graduated from law school. So he lives in this bougie apartment in, I guess it's New York that they're in. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's New York. Because of course it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man's there. I want to see a superhero movie that's set in, like, Salt Lake City. <laughs> okay? Is that too much to ask? Yes. That we is. set a superhero movie somewhere other than New York. God, I hate New York City. Hey, isn't Venom in... It's not LA. It's like, what, San Fran? Yeah, well... It's somewhere in it's somewhere in California, yeah, but I, that's a cop out as well. I don't want a movie. I want a movie set in like the most in like nondescript American city in the middle of like flyover state America. Okay. okay. I just want a like actually I guess Thor takes place in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. Yeah. But okay, so that's a partial exception. <laughs> But <laughs> anyway, it's it's in New York, and he's got this little lab being financed by his ultra-rich benefactor, Milo. It's never explained where he gets his money. It's never explained why he was in this little spectacularly funded Greek rustic hospital. Um, none of that is ever explained. It's just left up to the conjecture of the viewer, I suppose. Um and he's got this tank full of bats. It is a not much larger than the room we're sitting in right now, the little recording studio. Which we're is massive, in. this room that we're in. It, well, it's not. My, my million dollar studio. <laughs> Your million dollar studio. I mean, even if you had a million dollar studio, it wouldn't be huge because you want the good audio quality. Anyway, um, it's, it's like a tiny little glass cylinder and in the cylinder actually it, the, the movie doesn't open with him um as a little kid there's this scene at the beginning where he goes to south america and captures these vampires is that bats. where he like cuts his hand and shoves it yes in the cave a in person the with anemia <laughs> slices open his hand and uses it as bait for vampire bats and by the way nothing they talk about about vamp- with vampire bats is remotely ecologically accurate (laughs) so and then he holds up his hand and a swarm even again my little brother pointed out that this was retarded um a a swarm of perhaps thousands of vampire bats just spirals down out of this cave and whoosh at him this little drop of blood from the center of his hand anyway so now he's got these these bats in this tiny little cylinder and they just perpetually just flying around in circles. Infinite energy. Yeah. They are always flying around in circles. Like you'd think at one point they'd roost. Yeah. I don't know what the term is for a bat. They'd roost or they'd land or something. But there's no, this is like animal cruelty, this is borderline animal cruelty too because they have no perches, like no no It's just like a glass cylinder. Yeah, it's not an enclosure. Like like you'd see in a zoo, right? Or they they try to at least make the animals feel somewhat at home and simulate the natural environment. 
No, this is a, a austere Spartan glass cylinder. Um, so he, ta- <laughs> he talks about how... So he finishes treating this little girl and just... The pacing of the movie is deeply flawed as well because it's so abrupt. He's, he treats this, this, this girl, this patient who, I guess, has the same disease that he has, and then he goes in and he's immediately loading up, a, like, essentially a finished product, a finished okay. serum. And they refer to it as, quote-unquote, the serum throughout the movie as well. Of course, as all scientific... I mean, I don't know why it has to be the serum. It's called the elixir or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or give it, like, a scientific name. Yeah, right. Like, you know. Okay, that's another thing. I was just about to get to this. They talk the... Okay. So, the explanation given for why this serum is going to work is that vampire bats have special blood processing enzymes in their saliva. Okay. Um, which sure. allows them to digest blood. Okay. Which, yes, is a unique evolutionary quirk that they have developed. Sure, I'll accept it. <laughs> right. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm with you so far. Yeah. So then he, lo- he injects himself with the vampire through a variety. First he does it to a mouse. And, the, and, of course, the mouse initially appears to die, but then recovers. Yeah. And where have we seen this before? Um, and then it, they go out on this ship because they have to do it in international waters because it's, uh, I don't know, it's illegal for some reason. Um, they go out in international waters. For some reason, they have a crew of mercenaries on the ship. So, legally, they have to do it in international waters. It's illegal wherever they do it, but I guess they have to do it in international waters so they can't be prosecuted for it. But the place where they made this here and did it, all the experiments with animals. Yeah, I guess animal trials are fine, but you can't do it on humans. Yeah, so you can't do like premeditated human trials. I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, anyways. That's that's. I'm just conveying to you what the. <laughs> so they go out on this boat, and it's never explained why they need the mercenaries. Um, or what exactly kind of because it's just like a normal cargo boat. Mm-hmm. So you'd think it just have a normal s- crew sailing yeah. it. Uh, it's one of those those big ships with like the shipping containers on it. I there. think because I heard that in the movie Morbius kills a bunch of mercenaries, right? Yeah, uh huh. So this is when that happens. So I think they need to be mercenaries that way we don't feel bad when they die. That's exactly why. Like that's the real reason. Yeah. I'm just trying to, to riddle out why in the con like diegetically it has to be the well that in way. case the government comes they can kill the public workers. Ugh. I was yeah, trying to I stop guess. them from yeah. him becoming a vampire. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah, so he loads up the, the serum, um, shoots himself with it, and then, yeah, he turns into a vampire and kills all the mercenaries. Of course, like, yeah, like you were saying, the mercenaries are just, like, the worst kind of people. He refers to uh, Morbius' uh, assist. I mean, she's kind of his assistant, but it's very much, it's emphatically stressed that she is a doctor, uh, a... a um, impressive doctor in her own right. Yeah. Um, and sh- she's she's a black woman. Okay. So one of them comes down here first who has the help. Right. Just a caricature of, of a bad person. Gotcha. Um, and this is shortly before he has he's he's accosted and vampirized. Yeah. By uh, Morbius. Actually, one part I did like about the movie is that they use the word exsanguinated. Which means to be drained of your blood. Interesting. So that's a nice, nice SAT word for you, which okay. you know, I, which you know, I have a real liking for. Definitely not on the ACT because I did not see it there. Yeah, they don't have, a, yeah, they don't really have that um, aspect to it on the ACT. But regardless, then uh, you know he's flying away. So enter phase two of the movie. Okay. Calling it phase two is being generous because that's more uh, orderly than the movie ever is. <laughs> but so now he's he's got this sort of cure but now he has to drink blood and that's why he has the artificial uh, so that way it's not rated R for him drinking blood all the time I mean sort of but the artificial blood stops working gradually and he, oh. he's, he's like oh I'm gonna have to and so he's got this contrived moral dilemma because if he doesn't drink eventually if he doesn't drink human blood he's gonna relapse but if uh, he's gonna, he's, the um, artificial blood is running, is decreasing in its effectiveness. Okay. So, 
Yeah, past that point, it's a pretty conventional superhero movie, very tastelessly done, where his friend Milo Shovelchin is mad because Morbius won't give him the serum. He's like, oh, it's a curse. Um, so he just goes goes ahead and takes it, becomes a vampire himself. Yeah. The rest of the movie is Morbius being tracked by the FBI. They think he's murdered all these people, which he has. But then Milo starts murdering people, and I think that was him as well. They literally say, we don't care that you murdered those mercenaries. Like, it's, in the movie. <laughs> international waters. Yeah, we international want. waters. Yeah, was, oh, gosh. They were bad people. I'm going to get a maritime lawyer on the show next next time <laughs> and sort of resolve this. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty here in Landlocks, Utah. Well, yeah, yeah. We have a law school. It's true. <laughs> anyway. Um, and they, they have this, you know it's a Marvel movie? Because the penultimate, like the climax of the movie, is the hero having a battle with an evil version of himself. Like even in the good Marvel movies, this happens. Like the yeah. first Iron Man, this happens. Even like the Incredible Hulk, it happens. Yep. Um, Thor, it doesn't really happen. Um, Thor's actually an exception to a lot of these. But Iron Captain- Man Two happens. Iron Man Two, yeah. There's like a Iron bunch Man of evil even happens. happens. Um, Captain America, for that matter, happens. Happens. Avengers. Not really, Not but really. that's Avengers is its is its yeah. own animal. You can, Black Panther, it happens. Black like, Panther, it happens perhaps in more. Ant Man, it happens. Yeah, Ant Man happens. Um, let's see, what other Marvel movies have even been made? I can pull up the list again. Yeah, we should pull up the list and let's go down and see. We'll analyze each one. Why don't we count how many? Okay. Iron Man, yes, that's one. Hulk, Hulk, yes. Iron Man two, yes. Thor, not really. Captain America, yes. Iron, Iron Man, Man 3, kind of. It's like another rich guy, but that's like a genetic... Yeah, I, I'm i going to be generous to say no, no on yeah. that one. Yeah. Thor 2. Thor 2, He fights no. the evil elf guy. He fights the dark... Yeah, he fights... Um, Captain America 2. Yeah. Winter Soldier. Uh, Captain America 2, yes, again. Because he's fighting oh, yeah. Bucky, Winter Soldier. another... It's another not necessarily the, the main Super villain, Soldier, but it's yeah. like... Yeah. Right, I will, I will qualify yeah, that I'll one. Have Guardians? Not really. Yeah, who are they fighting in the first Guardians? Uh, Ronan the Accuser. Right, yeah, Ronan the Accuser. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Which is basically just Thanos, but like ten times as mm-hmm. less powerful. Despite being a pretty good movie, Guardians, the first Guardians, is pretty forgettable as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Age of Ultron? I uh, mean, kind of. Kind of. Iron Man. It's an evil version of creates... Iron Man's AI. Yeah. And then you you also have Vision fighting yeah, fighting Ultron. I'd say yeah. I'd say yeah. So we're at six now. Uh, Captain Civ- America's Civil War. Oh, Ant Man. Or Ant Man, yes. Uh, Civil War. Um, I would say. I mean, they fight each other. They fight Zemo. They do. Zemo. I'd say no. I, yeah, I don't think that one qualifies. Yeah, uh, Civil War, yeah. Or not Civil War. Like Doctor Strange. Doctor yes. Strange, absolutely. Um, Guardians, Guardians two. They're fighting Ego, the Living Ego, Planet. The Living Planet. No, not in that one. Spider Man one, Homecoming. I don't think so. Um, yeah, no, not Spider-Man. It's not like Venom or anything. Thor Ragnarok? Nope. No. Uh, Black uh, Panther, Well, yes. actually, Thor, he's fighting Hela. Hela, which is his sister. His sister and, like, another Norse god. Evil Norse god, yeah. I, I mean, she that it literally is, like, a, a, a competition between the two branches of Odin's legacy. Yeah, I'd say... So I think It's tastefully done, but it qualifies. It's hidden. Like, that is my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, Ragnarok. But, yeah, it's concealed behind Taika Waititi's brilliance. Yes. But it is kind of that yeah, thing. It's, it's that trope well done. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, we're at eight now. Eight. Um, Black Panther, yes. yes. That's probably the, the worst most egregious. iteration. Yeah, the most egregious iteration of that. Um, Infinity War, no. not really, no. Yeah, it's one massive dude. Thanos is... By far the best, most compelling villain Marvel has managed to come up with. Yes. Ant-Man and the Wasp? No. They fight that ghost. They fight ghost, yeah. And yeah, she's pretty different. She just teleports or walks through walls or something. Right, right. Captain Marvel? Marvel, No. I mean, she's fighting like the Kree, right? Yeah, but she ends up fighting, what's his bucket? The guy, he uses the uh, levitation hand things. I honestly can't remember anything about that movie. Yeah, it was it was not a good movie. But it's not evil. Kind not of be not because women superheroes can't be good. Okay, it's Brie Larson is a bad actress. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We're on Endgame. Endgame. 
No. No, it's the same. It's like same the same, same, same as, as Infinity War. Right. Spider-Man Far From Home. Although, Endgame, Captain America literally fights himself. So That is true. That's, that's, that's They're both like good, a, though. Yeah, <laughs> so, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Spider-Man 2... Uh, what happens in that Far one? Far from home, it's uh, oh, it's Mysterio. Mysterio, right? I'd say no. No, yeah, that one's fine. Spider-Man 2's only like anti-Spider-Man is like Venom. I'd say. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Which is Spider-Man three, right? Times you. No, oh, technically yes, but oh well. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, in the aftercards. Uh, Black Widow, yes, she's fighting all the other widows. Yes. The Taskmaster is like another widow, basically. It's literally like. Taskmaster like photo what's his name photogenic not photogenic what uh when you like can memorize something off of like seeing it once oh uh, mnemonic memory well what's like the easier word for uh, it uh, what, like a photographic photographic memory, memory. Yeah. he's like photographic memory memorizes your moves and uses them against you oh, so it's like yeah. literally the definition of fighting an evil version of yourself actually I think it's it's not mnemonic mem- mnemonic is just a general designator for something pertaining to memory I think it's an eidetic memory eidetic okay yeah, eidetic yeah he has eidetic memory right or she sorry in the comics is he Right, 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 right. Um, um, Song Chi, he fights his dad, which is literally just him. Yeah, I think that qualifies. Yeah, and then it turns into an evil, evil dragon. But yeah, <laughs> um, Eternals. I haven't seen it. That's ten. Okay, so that's ten. Um, Eternals. They fight. Um, I mean, they they're struggling against these Celestials, which destroy planets, but. The I mean, and the villain they also fight the deviants, um, but one of I mean one of the the Eternals himself turns against them, and he's at cross purposes with them, so maybe, but not really. Not really. Okay. Yeah, that movie is deeply flawed for other reasons. Yeah. Um, and then Spider-Man, Spider-Man no Three, home. No Way Home. No. Not. Yeah, it's fine. Fun fact: Spider-Man Three is the highest-rated Marvel movie, tied with Infinity War. Really? Yeah. On on IMDb. How much does uh, Ragnarok have? Um, I think it's like an eight point or seven point nine. What? Yeah. So it's way better than that. Uh, the original Avengers has an eight point one. Yeah, that's just because I mean, I think everyone it's, was. It's just a like, fine movie, but everyone was just starstruck at how. Yeah. How unprecedented it was. Yeah. Anyway, so that's 11, I think. Yes. Um, out of how many? Out of 27. And that's not including the shows. Right. Which... So 11 out of 27 use the same trope, which is... I mean, I mean if we want to look at the shows, we have WandaVision, which, yes. Yes. Yeah, WandaVision. Captain yes. America, yes. Or, sorry, what's the name? Uh, Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier, yes. Which is technically... Yeah, they should, should they fight others, enhanced soldiers. Uh, and then in uh, Loki, yes. He fights... Basically True. At the literally end, so himself. Yeah. <laughs> he literally fights himself. Yeah, right. Um, and then Moon Knight, so far... Kind of. Yeah, it's like... He's fighting another avatar of an Egyptian god. Yeah, so it's basically... But it's not like... Moon Knight, but evil. It's like someone with different powers. Yeah. So kind of. Kind of. We'll see where it goes. I don't want to say yes just because of how much I love Moon Knight. Yeah. Which we'll get to (laughs) if we have time. Segment part two. If no one else has this place reserved after us, we don't have to leave. Okay. If they want us to leave, they'll come get us. We can just split this into two episodes. Yeah, that's true. Then we can post bi-weekly content. That's true. Okay, anyway, let's finish... Weekly content. Let's finish uh, castigating Morbius. Yes. Um, where were we? Uh, fighting an evil version. Fighting of himself. an evil version of himself, right? Milo. Yeah, Milo slash Lucian is his actual name. Is that a spoiler? No. Okay. Because it's brought up exactly twice at the very beginning and the very end of the movie. Gosh, because parallel writing. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's Smart. Suppose I, I guess that's what these showrunners think. <laughs> showrunners. I mean, yeah, not showrunners. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. metteur en scène. Of the f- of the film, uh, gotcha. Okay, so basically, I mean that pretty much summarizes the plot of the movie. Wonderful. Um, I think its main problem is just that it's it's corporate. Pe- oh, and then the end credit scene, they bring back the vulture. I heard it's like similar to Venom, where he just like hops over into this universe. Yeah, except for whatever reason, it's implied that he's his um entry into this universe is constant like he's not going to be zapped back yeah um because there's two end credit scenes 
One where he appears, and then you wait. And how does he appear? Is it just like it's the just... same? It's the same way that Venom. Is it uh, like kind of glitches and it's there? Yeah, it's like that sort of um, yellow glow that. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Subsumes them and they, they just sort of appear. And Never he, mind. He appears and he goes, "I I hope the food's better in this joint," because <laughs> he's in he's in the alternate prison. Okay, here's my here's my problem. At the end of No Way Home, the reason everyone was sent back is because Peter Parker, like, erased his memory of himself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Michael Keaton's Vulture may know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but he wasn't originally from the Jared Leto universe that we know of. Right. So unless he came over as, like, a kid... To the seven yeah, no, it's uh, I I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I guarantee you it will be infuriating. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. So he pops over. He's like, and the way that I mean, because it's Michael Keaton and he's so good, it it's like the only charming line in the entire movie. Yeah. Hope they got some better food in this joint. Um, and it's like as much as I love Michael Keaton, who cares about the vulture? Like, I was excited at the end of Spider-Man that, oh, he knows that Spider-Man's Peter Parker. Yeah. And it's implied, he talks the guy, he talks the scorpion. Yeah. Um, it's implied that there there's going to be sort of a Sinister Six arc yeah. within the Marvel Universe, which I guess they just kind of forgot about. Like, that, that always frustrates me when they well, do this. they were probably planning to do it, and then Sony was like, hey, we'll give you Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And they were like, oh, this is way better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's true, because if they did the Sinister Six thing, they were going to have to set up all of the Sinister Six characters. Yeah. Because Marvel is actually, they're intelligent about the way they do crossovers. They're not like DC, where like, they'll introduce everyone in the same movie. Yeah. Which only works in, sui- in The Suicide Squad, because they kill off half of them. Yeah, and because they're characters that like really no one cares about. Right. And you have... Until the movie. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, and What's-His-Face's Rick Flagg. That you already know from yeah. the previous movie. And you have Idris Elba's Bloodsport, who's just Deathstroke. Deadshot. Deadshot. Deadshot from, from the... Wait, is it Deadshot? Or Deadshot, Deadshot. Yeah, Deadshot. Deathstroke from... is like the Deadpool. But yeah, like not... he's like the orange one. Yeah. From Teen Titans. Yeah, he's a Batman villain originally, I think. Yeah. Um, do you remember the original Teen Titans show? The best show on the planet that I remember nothing about? Yes. So. I need to rewatch it. That was like, yeah, man. Oh, that was so Is that sick. HBO? Maybe. No, it's like an anime. It's like a kids show. It's but I'm saying like nowadays show. it might be on YouTube. It's, it's like one of those know. kids shows that adults can still enjoy. Yeah. Because there's dark parts in it yes. and stuff. Anyway. Um, yeah, and he's just the same character. I I have a theory that, and I, I actually didn't come up with this on my own, full disclosure, but I think it's true. How dare this, you use other this, people's ideas? I saw this meme. I, I cited it, so it's fine. It's not funny. <laughs> There's this uh, this bit online that's like, somewhere out there, <clears throat> there's a script for the Suicide Squad going around where um, it's still Will Smith's name in the script, and they just haven't replaced it with Idris Elba yet. <laughs> um, which, oh my gosh, that's probably true. Uh, but yeah, and then they have the... So really, it's only two or three new characters. Like, you have Peacemaker, um, who, weirdly enough, ended up being, like, yeah. a, a breakout, just fan favorite. Yeah, the show, you haven't seen it, I presume. I haven't seen, no, I haven't seen the show, but I know it's... It's fantastic. Sort of, like, this just spectacularly off-the-chain, raunchy... Uh, yeah, imagine, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, but more raunchy and so... Where they just let James Gunn do whatever the frick he wanted. Yeah, Absolutely. I heard actually that James Gunn wrote it just for fun during COVID. Yeah. And then HBO loved it so much that they decided to get him Well, I, I listened to this interview between him and Kevin Smith, and it sounds like HBO was like, hey, do a show for us. And he was like, okay, I'll make a show. And then he met John Cena and mm-hmm. noticed that, like, not only was he a fun actor, but he was actually yeah. good at the emotional scenes. Right, right. And he right. was like, I actually love this character now that John Cena's like, Yeah. In what is it about these... Um, these actors, f- Former wrestlers. pro wrestlers, like WWE wrestlers. Yeah, we have The Rock, we have Dave Bautista and John uh, Cena. And, and John... Probably some others I don't know about. Well, I think those are the main, the three ones that have... They're like the breakout stars right yeah, now. Yeah, that have successfully infiltrated blockbuster movies. Yeah. 
But I just, for whatever reason, I was reading that some of the, like, the WWE divas, like, the female characters. I don't know how much you know about WWE. I don't know that much about it. Yeah, I know, like, the basics. But it's, it's no one. Actually, a, a buddy of mine explained this to me a while ago. Because I used to think that there was, uh, fans of WWE were sort of laboring under the illusion that it was real wrestling. But he he told me no, they all know it's fake. Yeah, it's it's almost like opera for yeah. rednecks in that they know it's fake, but it's about the narrative and they're invested in their favorite characters and stuff. Yeah, it's similar to like a TV show with like yeah. you want to see the underdog uh-huh. come and beat the big guy. Or yeah, something. yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. It's it's theatrical. Yeah. Um. So, but some of the one of the divas, I don't know her name, but I was reading this article. She, I guess, wants to be in Hollywood films now. So, I mean, who's to say? It seems like there's this pipeline from yeah. WWE. I don't know how that works. I feel works. like it's like the new age of like old like Bruce Willis-type action stars. Yeah. It's like, right. why try to find new actors when you have these just buff guys sitting over here? I mean, it kind of makes sense that they're good actors because that's yeah. what they're doing is, is playing a character. And it's about being immersed in the role and stuff. Yeah. And, and if you're someone like Marvel looking for superheroes and stuff like that, yeah, these guys are already ripped. You don't have to pay right. for them yeah, to train exactly. and stuff. And they're used to playing these over-the-top, ridiculous yeah. characters. So I guess it kind of makes sense, actually. Yeah. Um, did you see the, the teaser for Black Adam that came out a while ago? I barely did, yeah. So this is The Rock's uh, superhero debut. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. They show us very little of it, but... It, it's interesting because, from my understanding, Black Adam is a villain, right? I mean, I don't know, actually. I thought it was kind of like an anti-hero on par with, like, Venom or, heaven forbid, Morbius. Well, yeah, and that's, like, where I was going is, like... Deadpool. Let's go with Deadpool. Venom. I, mean, I, I see, like, Black Adam akin to Morbius, where it's, like, I've never heard of Morbius in an anti-hero setting before oh, in the movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Same thing with Black Adam. Granted, I'm big into the comics and the lore and stuff of Shazam, but from what I understand is Black Adam is like the Black Adam is to Shazam as Venom is to Spider-Man. Just a dark evil version with a bit more power. That makes sense. Speaking of Shazam, I will say that was actually, that's been the only DC movie that I actively enjoyed. Really? Yeah. I mean, I liked Aquaman and one, I like parts of Aquaman and parts of Wonder Woman, the first one. Wonder Woman's only good because of the chemistry between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. That's the only thing that makes it good. The plot leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. It has a really disappointing ending. Yeah. Where they do this really interesting and um, just frustrating thing where they set up what would be an incredible ending. Where they're like, there is no Ares. It's just the nature of humanity is to vie against one another and go to war. A conflict is just the way people are sometimes. Yeah. Um, but no, shows up. it turns out, oh, there he is. And he actually is a real uh, physical being. And she has. And he's this, made of CGI. Yeah, and he's made of CGI. She has this hackneyed fight with Remus Lupin from Harry Potter. And it's just so disappointing because they had the potential there for a, an uncharacteristically profound ending and a, a character shaping ending as well you can imagine the um, the implications that would have on um, uh, Diana I guess is her name yeah. Diana's character but no they squander it completely and it would have been better if they didn't introduce it at all if that's what they wanted to do with it at any rate Morbius Morbius <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't have much left to say about it. Like, okay, on a zero to one rating, what would you give it? Um, like zero to one in terms of like probability, where one is certain and zero is impossible. It's like a, it's like a binary rating system where it's like good or bad. Oh, good or bad. Well, certainly bad. Okay, so zero. Do you want to introduce any more nuance to it? <laughs> no, that's about it. Okay. Yes, Morbius bad. In conclusion, <laughs> Morbius equals bad. Morbius. Morbius colon, bad? Question mark. Yes, period. Yeah. And the end. That is a, a summary of what has just happened. All right. Well, do you want to end this first episode here? Well, how much more time do we have? Can we talk about uh, Moon Knight for a little while? I say we have 20 minutes left in the reservation, so we can just end the episode. Then you can reserve it for the next two hours because no one else is Oh, yeah. Let me just do that. So we can just like, do an ending, and then we can just record for another hour the next episode or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to just end it there?
Yeah, we can. Yeah, let's end it here. Okay. All right, I'll do a little outro thing. Yeah, I go ahead and do the outro. All right. Well, that was Morbius. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Thanks, Jackson, for all your thoughts, and yeah, thank you for giving us the my favorite rundown of the movie that I've heard so far. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're. You're welcome. I have a, a knack for giving satirical summaries of movies. Anyways, thank you all so much for listening. Um, this has been the first episode of Eclectic Colon the Podcast. Colon the podcast. All right, roll out, Philip.